So we're looking this morning at Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15, and we're thinking about prayer. This little series, I think it's five Sunday mornings, thinking about what is prayer? What does it mean to be a praying church composed of praying Christians? And we have this famous and treasured passage in front of us. What is prayer? Prayer is concentrating with our minds and our hearts on God and bringing to him our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings expressed in words. It doesn't have to be out loud, but there must be a direction of our hearts. So we're bringing all that we need to say and want to say to God. Prayer is the lifting up of our hearts. That can be joyfully in praise and thanks and worship. Prayer is very often casting our cares, perhaps with brokenness or great anxiety of heart, to God for our own situations, those of our friends, family, nation, world. And as we were learning last week, we have been created to be dependent upon God. That's the way he created us. He designed us. He purposed us to be depending upon him with trust and joy and expectation. And then because we had sinned against God and fallen from him, salvation in Jesus is Jesus through his forgiveness and the coming of his Holy Spirit recreating us in a new and true dependence. It's been said that prayer is our bringing our hearts to the Father through Jesus Christ. That means totally reliant on his forgiveness and his mercy. And because prayer is a spiritual encounter, prayer is in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you think about that simple definition, simple but very profound, to the Father, through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to say, remind ourselves that the only prayer God hears is prayer prayed in reliance upon Jesus. Total, utter, sincere dependence upon God's mercy and grace in him. Now, of course, prayer is hard because faith is hard. And of course, distraction is inevitable. And of course, we all know those days, for some those months and years, when although all the world knows us as a Christian, and by definition, therefore, a praying person, we don't want to pray. And we're not praying. There's a verse in Jeremiah 3.19. I don't think I'd ever noticed it before, though I've read it many hundreds of times. Jeremiah 3.19. God speaking to his people. He said, I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. I'll say that again. I thought you'd call me father, says God to his children, and not turn away from following me. But in their hearts, they refused to call him father. They didn't want to depend on him. They didn't want to lift their hearts in thanks 
or in cries of desperation, and they turned away. And that verse can be convicting, can't it? Because we know he is our Heavenly Father, but so often we don't want to acknowledge him as Father. And so often we turn from following him. Maybe for some this short series on prayer is, is about recovery. Remembering who you've been redeemed to be. Who you've been rescued to relate to. Rediscovering the habits of prayer. The reality and power of prayer. And the joy of intimacy with God. Because we don't want to start our morning and say, yeah, we're all rubbish at prayer. Prayer's so hard, we get so distracted. We want to start really enthusiastically aware of the struggles of our hearts, but believing in the Holy Spirit who brings change and growth, who changes our desires, reforms our habits, sharpens our expectations, and leads us into soul-satisfying intimacy with God, which is what this is all about anyway. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're longing for. Soul-satisfying intimacy with God. Which we explore and discover through prayer. And which really comes as we believe that there is a God in heaven who actually does hear us. We're not talking technique or theory We're talking about encountering a God we believe hears us in love and wisdom. And everything else flows out of that. So let's listen to Jesus instructing us on prayer. I want to say two things. I anticipate we'll spend the majority of our time in the first. We'll see how we go. But here's the first thing. As we have this prayer, the Lord's Prayer and the instruction around it, I want to say this, we pray because we have a loving Father in heaven. So simple. But if we don't really believe that God is Father, that he's loving, that he's in heaven, we'll never believe he hears us and we'll never pray with any conviction. But if we get that, We have a loving Father in heaven. We will pray. What is prayer? Well, Jesus effectively tells us in verses 5 to 6, prayer is unseen intimacy. Your prayer life with your Father in heaven, if you're a Christian today, is about unseen intimacy. You know the famous contrast here? Those who hang out on street corners, in religious gatherings... And they've learned to sound impressive and to be seen because they're seeking to win approval. And they get it. They pray, Jesus says, to be seen by men. And they've got their reward, Jesus says, ominously in full. They've got all the reward they're ever going to get. People think they're wonderful and they have this vibrant, dynamic spiritual life. Jesus suspects things are otherwise. Jesus doesn't see an unseen intimacy with God. He sees a very visible, 
and shameful desire to get the crowd on side in approving. But for the Christian, there is a different and altogether far more glorious reward. When you pray, verse 6, you go into your room, you close the door, so you're unseen, your actions are unknown, and you pray to your unseen Father. And what do you get? You get a reward. What's Jesus thinking and teaching there? Is it that the Father draws close to you? He hears you because you're seeking him. Maybe he's, Jesus saying in this language of reward, your prayers are answered. And maybe he's also thinking, and you know he's your God as you come to him on his gracious terms. What do we want, friends? Do we want the approval of people or the intimacy of God? I think a lot of our hearts are really saying, I'm not so fussed about either. We try to chase people's approval, and even when we've got it, it's been so frustratingly unsatisfying. But on the other hand, intimacy, relationships, being known closely is often scary. Often places demands upon ourselves, often leads us into a place of vulnerability, which we're not so keen on. But I'm sorry, that's what you get with the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. And this is the real intimacy we are safe in. Where we are known fully and never rejected. Where we are embraced and never turned away. Where our restless, anxious, stressed out hearts find peace and safety. Who is this God? Who is this God that Jesus always prayed to and always served and always taught about? This is how you should pray. God is, verse 9, our Father in heaven. He is our Father. And we have to get that for it to make a difference, and for us to pray. This title, Father, was written into Israel's history. The children of Israel were those, that tribe adopted by God and his mercy, and led out of Egypt as a father leads a son. So they were called to know him as their father, And this father, son, father, child language is throughout the Old Testament. But we get to Jesus and everything is intensified. Repeatedly he talks about not so much God being Israel's father, though that were true and he said that. But about God being his father. And through him being the father of all of those who trust Jesus. Seven times the New Testament talks about God as the father of 
our Lord Jesus Christ. And many, many, many more times, the New Testament talks about God being our Father through our faith in Christ. Remember Easter morning? We're in John's Gospel. We're at the tomb with a, with a tearful, overwhelmed, astonished Mary Magdalene. And she instinctively rushes to clasp Jesus. And when Jesus says, do not touch me, I don't think he's scolding her or, or leaping back. But probably as she clasps him, he's, he's almost prizing her arms off him. Because he's got a more thrilling message than even that physical closeness to himself. He says, John 20 verse 17, I'm going to my father and your father. To my God and to your God. It's that great Easter morning declaration that if we're trusting in Jesus, we are his family members. So 1 John 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. And then John does an apostolic fist pump and says, and that is what we are. And it's all worship and amazement. And so Jesus says, if you're going to join me in the life of prayer, you must know God is your father. Not because we've earned his love or deserve his love, but because we have received his love in the forgiveness Jesus brings. Now, some of us have had wonderful fathers. And that is an incredible gift of God's grace for you to be very, very thankful for. And coming to know your father in heaven as you put your trust in Jesus is, is taking all the best of your crooked father's crooked heart. Because he might be the best of dads, but he's a sinner. And, and maximizing that, maximizing that infinitely as you discover how even more attentive and tender and wise and thoughtful your father's care is. And some of us have had poor fathers or absent fathers or wicked fathers or no fathers. And that is a deep, deep wound. And that is a wound for, for those who know it, which will be carried through life. But the Christian faith is an invitation to you, if that's you, to know that despite your earthly agonies, your Father in heaven is good and wise and loving and utterly Utterly reliable. And he hears you. And he wants you to bring your heart to him. He hears you. And he's in heaven. And heaven always in the Bible, when we talk about God being in heaven, it's a shorthand, isn't it? For he's holy. Utterly pure-hearted and perfect. He's wise, far above the foolishness of this world and the schemes and efforts of men and women. 
And he exists in a world of perfect love, which he longs to pour into the lives of his children. So Jesus is saying, come on, pray with me. We're lifting our hearts to my Father and yours. And we're seeking his love and his wisdom and his power with total confidence that his heart is pure and his ways are perfect. And our hearts respond. We say, oh, Father, may your name be holy always, which is what that first request means. It's, it's, just, the, it's just the default mode of the spirit-led heart. Oh, Lord, you're awesome. You're amazing. May the world know you in your holiness. I'm going to touch on the lines of the prayer quite briefly because this is not a deep dive into all that Jesus says here. But just let's just pause and let's reflect on what we've heard and let's think about how that meets us. Here's a question. Have our prayer lives got dry? Have they dried up? Altogether. I strongly suspect, slash, no, that for a number of us here, we just don't pray at all. We used to, but then the excitement and the thrill went. We used to, but then life got busy. We used to, and we looked, then we got hurt. We used to, but then we got phones. We used to, but then there was a global pandemic and we got sadder and more distracted and found life so hard and routines so impossible and we, we can't even remember what it was like to pray. That's true for a number of us here. And I don't want us to go a step further before you're beginning to get the excitement and the power of God's promise. Jesus says, you have a father in heaven who loves you, who is holy, pure, powerful, wise, and he longs to meet you in your sorrows, in your guilt or your lack of guilt and draw you closely into a fresh knowledge of him. So do you believe that? Do you believe that? Faith is hard, isn't it? But it's a choice. Just as doubt is a choice. I know we think doubt's the default. That just comes in like the tide. Faith is pushing doubt back. That's the effort. I don't think it is quite like that. I think cynicism and doubt and withdrawal are a choice where we're pushing away faith. And both bring their rewards. Neither's neutral. Both bring their rewards. Doubt brings coldness of heart. Dreadful introspection. 
misery and more doubt. It just does, doesn't it? Faith, choice it is, effort it is, discipline it is, though all given and upheld by the Holy Spirit. The hard way of faith brings gentleness of heart, hope, expectation. The way out of the dreadful miseries of living an introspective life into the freedom of getting out of ourselves and looking up to our Heavenly Father and breathing again as we choose to trust and choose to pray. Friends, we will not pray unless we know we have a loving Father in Heaven. And if we make that choice, however hard, to believe in what Jesus teaches us, that is the way of recovery. That's the way into prayer. And with the praying life, it's a way of peace, and joy, and comfort, and expectation. And Jesus says, you, you have a Father in heaven, your instinct is to honor his name. And verse 10 you're tired of trying to build your kingdom and trying to enforce your will on the world. And because he's so good, you want his kingdom. That's what you instinctively ask him for in your life. The life of your circle where you live and work and operate. And in the church and in the world, his kingdom and his will. His rule which, his will which rules unquestioned and embraced in heaven, you're praying that that will would come on earth and be embraced and trusted by men and women and children across the face of the earth. That's what the Christian's heart finds itself asking. We learn that we're so weak as Christians. And we come back to this theme of dependence. So we're praying for our daily bread. And don't just think daily bread is food, because many of us don't pray that there'll be stuff on the shelves in Aldi. There are many parts where we would be literally praying that there wouldn't be crop failure, that there'll be rain, and many other things. But here in our privilege... We may give thanks, and I hope we do at the table. But this daily bread means, what are your material needs? Where are you lacking? Where are you needy? Pray God meets the needs of your body and the material needs of those around you. But we have spiritual needs as well, and so we pray. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. The spiritual world is real. That's what the Christian learns. The devil is real. That's what the Christian experiences. We don't fear him, but we respect his power. And we pray God will meet him with his power.
and lead us safely to heaven. A note on forgiveness a little bit later on. But now is the second point of what I want to say. And I did say I'd spend the majority of our time in the first one. So maybe just five minutes. We've been thinking about God as our Heavenly Father. And we need to remember that this Heavenly Father hears us. And I've been talking about that, but I just want to emphasize it in a few points. We can pray because we have our loving Father, but he hears us. That's the wonder. That's the thrill. That makes the difference. No technique here for prayer. No magic key, no way of winning God's attention. Remember the Pharisees with the public shows, the pagans with their, their endless incantations. Jesus says, clear away that rubbish. You don't need it. You go direct to your Father's grace. But we must believe that he hears us. It's not enough to believe he's there or even that he's good. But that when you and I open our mouths or we're praying silently, heaven hears. That's the call of faith. Ultimately, the Christian life is very simple and very difficult. God speaks in the Bible and we receive those words through faith and then live out the obedience that comes through faith. That's a Christian life. There's nothing else. There's nothing more. But we will only know that God is a loving Heavenly Father as we receive the truth of the Bible. And we take on the promises that God loves us and responds to us as we pray. Two verses, two statements of Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, Matthew 4, 4 but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What do we need from God for a life of faith, to believe that our Father hears us? We need the word of God to sustain that believing faith. And second verse, John 6, 63, the words I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. Jesus often says two things, really meaning one thing. They're the powerful gift of the Spirit. He gives life as we hear his words. So let's thread these things together. Your, your prayer life is feeling weak and flimsy, or your prayer life might be a memory. What's the way back to recovery or to strength so you really believe your Father in heaven hears you? Because without that, it's a waste of effort. The way back is so simple, it's been in front of you all the time. You get back into his word. You will not screw up, summon up, or discover faith apart from going back to his word. So it really is the Bible leading to renewed, deepening faith, leading to renewed, deepening prayer. Those three things work exactly together. The Bible Faith, prayer. So simple. That's week one of the Christian life. But we, all of us, forget it. And lose sight of it. And need to be reminded about it. God's people are forgiven people.
And God's people are always seeking forgiveness because we always get things wrong. It's no surprise that in the heart of Jesus' prayer is this command that we ask God continue to forgive us the awful things we've done wrong. We don't wallow in our guilt. We recognize our guilt and ask the Lord to deal with it and forgive us. And people who really know that God hears their prayers are people who don't dare to mess about with bad relationships and unforgiveness in their lives. So that's why we hear a tone, which seems quite jarring in verse 14 and 15. Look, if you say you're a forgiven person, if you're going to lift your heart and your voice to your Father in heaven, you need to be a forgiving person. That is the DNA of the Christian. We have been forgiven, so we forgive. The alternative, verse 15, is unthinkable. If you don't forgive, well, you've forgiven in the first place. If we live with unforgiveness, verse 15, we will live unforgiven by our Father. And perhaps he's not our Father after all. There's no way of softening those verses or getting a different interpretation out of it. You can read all the commentaries. They'll tell you exactly what it says on the page. So as Christians, we are forgiven and forgiving people. We believe, and it's a choice, and it's a good one, that God always hears us. And we believe that he is in heaven, and he has chosen us to be his children. So in the light of all this, what are we going to do? We're going to pray. Maybe that means unhurried, private time saying, Father, I have lost intimacy with you. You've always been there for me, but I've avoided you. Or, Father, I'm, I am praying, but I'm going through the motions. All of us surely can find in our hearts hunger for more. Desire for closeness. A journey we want to press on with. With more faith. And more expectation of knowing so great a God.